Warm-ups, not really, but when I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. I care to expand on that. Gosh, woke up feeling real dangerous. <laughs> All right, guys, welcome to the Oklahoma Breakdown Podcast, brought to you guys by SB Nation's Crimson and Cream Machine. I'm your host, Kami Amrabian, and sitting right next to me is my co-host, Jack Shields. You guys can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Google Play Podcasts, pretty much anywhere you can find a podcast. It's the season of thanks, Jack, so go ahead and give us a five-star review, rate it, because we're thankful for all of our listeners. Do it. Yeah, do it. Like that one uh, gif of uh, Shia LaBeouf. Just do, do it. it. Yeah, I was, in, I was in sync, so that was good. That was uh, kind of weird, actually. It was pretty cool. How's your week been so far, man? It's pretty, Tuesday. Pretty good, dude. I feel reinvigorated after Re- these college football playoff rankings have come out. Why? Tell me why. Tell me more. Well, Baylor, number nine, you know, giddy up. Shocked me. Nine while Oregon's 14. I have issues with Baylor being ranked that high right now, and we'll talk about it a little bit later, but I'm just not happy about that. Why? why? Because, okay, then I guess we'll talk about it now. It's important. Fine. How is Oklahoma going to bump up just one spot after beating a seemingly pretty good Baylor It's a matter of who's ahead of them. I mean, it's just kind of where how it works out. I mean... But... Oklahoma bumps up one spot after beating Baylor. Yeah, I like it's like, well, you should have won. Well, they should have won. It's true. Baylor bumps up five spots after beating Texas. There was sort of like an overcorrection tonight, it seemed like. It was weird. But I'm fine with it. And then I don't know why we would be mad about it. Oh, is what I'm asking. We'll, we'll we'll talk about it later. College okay. football, I'm I'm very upset spaghetti about some of the college football playoff stuff. I feel like it's not something to be upset about, but let, you do you. That's I'm fine. always angry. But how's your week been so far, really? Pretty good, man. Like, I'm, it's cold tonight. Highway's all backed up. Dude, we don't even know we're, why. We're still sort of in that phase where it's, like, pleasant during the day, but cold <laughs> at night. So if you're doing stuff outside, like, during the day and the night, you sort of have to plan accordingly, and it, yes. it's getting a little old. Yes. But, and that's how it's going to be on Saturday in Stillwater as well. High mm-hmm. of 65 and, like, low of 35. Yep. So it'll be good for tailgating, but got to bring a jacket for the night. So mm-hmm. it's true. Whatever. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not bitching about it. It's yeah. all good. Well, this morning, my 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 week so far has been great. I mean, like uh, my work they close tomorrow through Friday. So yeah, that's happy true. holidays. There you go. And uh, I went to People, my... don't <clears throat> no don't neglect Thanksgiving either. I mean, yeah. let Thanksgiving have its time. Let's not go all the way to mm-hmm. Christmas yet. Let's let's savor this right yeah, now. Happy Thanksgiving. Benjamin Franklin thought your national bird should have been the turkey because that it is was, true because uh, it's first national holiday. But um, I went to my car this morning to go to work and I realized I looked down in front of my car door and saw that like a protein bar wrapper that I'd eaten like a protein bar I'd eaten the wrappers left over in front of my door in like a Gatorade bottle too. And I was like, I do not remember getting out of my car this sloppily last night. And then I looked in my car before, you know, like through the window without opening my door and found the center console open and everything just torn out of it. Somebody broke into my car Fuck, last night. Fuck, really? Yeah, but I'm a poor teacher. So guess what they found? Nothing. They found receipts and empty Gatorade bottles. Nothing. So jokes on them. So yeah, they probably found a bunch of apples that you had been given by your uh, students yep, and stuff yep, like that, they found right? A bunch of like apples. apple cores. Yep. 
and he is the apple if you hold your tongue out and say apple. Um, ah, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that that happened, and then today, I'm like, I'm at work. My fiance she texted me and was like, "Oh, by the way, some something under the sink is bad, and like, so our kitchen sink, uh, we need to like get new pipes for it, or a new pipe for it. So like, we're not using the kitchen sink right now. It's been like it's not like been like a week process, right? It's been like three hours, but we just have to get it fixed. And calling oh, okay. a, calling a plumber over the holidays is not ideal, right? Well, of course not. But it's Bedlam week, so I it feel is. good. I feel fine. I feel great, actually. I feel confident. I feel okay. Want to talk about this TCU game? I guess. So, OU 28, TCU 24. And you know... It doesn't really tell the full story, it, does it, it? It doesn't. But at the same time, it does tell the relationship, tell the story of the relationship between OU and TCU over the past many years. Bob Stoops... And Gary Patterson, those games are always close. Lincoln and Gary Patterson, those games haven't been as close, but still, they've been games and not anything to look like. Oh, oh he's going to blow them out. That's not the truth. And um, they did dominate them. Though. They did dominate. Yeah, they went up twenty-one to nothing. And you're, we're in the stands. We're feeling great. Like man, they're literally about to route TCU. And OU has never officially routed TCU. They've beaten them pretty well, but they've never been on their way to an ass. It's never necessarily TCU. been an easy process, That's, even even right. when the discrepancy was pretty big. Yes, so it's you know Sooners went up twenty-one to nothing. Everybody in the stadium is feeling good. Everybody's rocking. Everybody's half drunk. Um, the defense plays well. Half drunk, most drunk. Okay, there we go. The defense plays well. I mean, Max Duggan, you see his one fantastic run, sixty-two yarder. I mean, I didn't realize the guy's big. I did not realize how fast this man was until he took off. I did not know how fast he was. And I thought I was like, okay, that's what the analysts were talking about to watch out for. Sixty-two yard run. You take Max Duggan's sixty-two yard run away from the total offense of what TCU gave. They have one hundred and forty-two yards of total offense from scrimmage. And keep in mind, TCU's offense. People want to act like they're last in the NCAA. They're number 51 in offensive S&P. That's an average, the pretty okay offense. And they held them to roughly, you know, 200 yards of total offense. And you take that one big play away. 142. 142. And we can pretty, talk about I mean, something later, but that's that. This a, might be, well, I, I don't want to say yet that this is Grinch's masterpiece of the season, but it was pretty damn good. That's a dominant performance. It was great. But the score does not show you that. No, it does not. It does, And it doesn't show you how effective Oklahoma was offensively either. Yeah. 511 yards, 366 on the ground. Yeah. I mean... If I were to tell you Oklahoma was going to They were game, controlling possession like crazy in this game. They just weren't finishing drives because of these weird turnovers. Yeah. If I was going to say, hey, Jack, OU is going to outgain TCU literally by uh, a time and a half... 511 to 204. What are you saying? I'd be thrilled. And wouldn't you expect Oklahoma to win that game by probably oh, of course, yeah. four touchdowns? I, I might ask you about the 366 rush yards and what Jalen Hurts did. I'd My be goodness. doing the math there. But I mean, he, uh, other than those turnovers, it's not that like he was that sloppy other than those two turnovers. But like, uh, and it wasn't his worst game as right. an OU quarterback, even though statistically it might look like it. But well, they took the, he's, they stopped passing the ball in the second half, so you, you can't really tell what he was going to do in the of second course. half. 
And they were grinding clock like crazy, kind of like they were in that Baylor game in the second half. Yeah. The game plan didn't seem to be that different. But at the same time, you had all of those turnovers going on. So, And people want to say, people want to say, oh, why'd you take the ball out of Jalen's hands? Is he just not executing the offense that well as a passer? No, he, like Lincoln said, and I fully agree with it, the running game was working. You're laying on that defense. And TCU is a very stingy run defense. And yeah, you one just... of the biggest things to take from this is that the offensive line truly has developed a bit of continuity mm-hmm. and is becoming a dominant unit. And that's a very good thing for the future. Yeah, they just started laying as this home stretch gets on going. TCU and said, you know what? This is this is working. Of course, it didn't work too well on third and ones and fourth and ones to end the game. And Oklahoma got, the ben- Oklahoma got the benefit of a doubt on one call, um, but she didn't get the benefit benefit of exactly. a doubt on another call, the previous, play, one, yeah, previous was... play, which is pretty weird. Um, but you know, yeah, the game ends twenty eight twenty four, very unsatisfying. And again, it feels like a loss, like the Iowa State game. People are like leaving the stadium, kind of like now, granted, uncomfortable. Not as many people left early for this one, obviously, because it was closer for a longer time and. This game was far... I mean, honestly, obviously the turnovers were frustrating. Yeah, yeah. This game was far less frustrating than the Iowa State game. I will say that. That's there, fair. there were so many good things to take away from this performance, which wasn't the case yeah. against Iowa State at all. Iowa State, everybody was angry at everything. TCU... Plus, every- Oregon got beat during the game, so, I mean, that yeah. was one thing to sort of perk you up a little bit. I mean, that, that brings Oklahoma right back into the fold for the college football playoff. Like We the, should be happy. Yeah, and the, de- the defense was great. In Oklahoma, they turned the ball over three times when they looked to score. Um, honestly, the game should have been 38-14. TCU gets 10 points off of turnovers and a 20-point swing. And because you, of course, have the Jalen Hurts fumble. He got basically like Leon Lett. The guy is kind of, he stops running and he starts more jogging towards the end zone. It looks like he thinks he's clear and he just, it doesn't get he doesn't fumble the ball. It just gets it stripped and taken away. I mean, from hell him. of a play though. Yeah, it's a great play by the defender. It went across his body, and Jalen's not carrying it high and tight. Preventable still. again, yeah. And but that that play did not lead to points. The two plays that did lead to points, of course, were the it was directly the pick six in the red zone within the ten yard line. Ceedee Lamb slipped. Uh, Lincoln Riley made sure to mention that the grass this year at this time is kind of slick. Uh, but by that point, I'm still not sure why you're not running the ball. And I know it's TCU; and it's a shortened field. But why are you not doing more of that? And but TCU uh, immediately gets pick six, and then Jaden Hazelwood, he catches the ball, looks to get a first down, and he does cover up the ball. He does cover the ball with both arms and gets it popped loose, and that led to three points. So ten points right to TCU, where Oklahoma was likely going to score on those three possessions. TCU ends up with 10 points, Oklahoma with zero. That's the only reason it's a close game. Right. And Jalen's given the ball away six times in three games. He says he's going to address it. He needs to get better. Is it becoming a thing? Because maybe... Oh, yeah. It's it's definitely a thing. But is it a thing because he's fatigued like people are saying like oh he's taking so many hits he's running the ball so many times i don't he's, think that has anything to do with it i think it's just technique reads. i think it's technique completely because some people would suggest oh he's running the ball 24 times he's really tired he's really banged up and it, that has nothing it, to do with not carrying it high with the ball. i mean i i feel like this is just a 
technique thing. I mean, this this was an issue at Alabama too. I mean, we talked to a dude who runs Roll Bama Roll. He was mm-hmm. saying, you know, Mike Loxley couldn't fix this. <laughs> you know, no one else who was uh, leading him could fix this. Lane Kiffin couldn't fix this. Yeah. So Lincoln Riley in six months isn't going to be able to fix it. And it just is what it is. It's just, it's only alarming because he has given the ball away six times in championship November down the stretch where you're looking to win games and you're looking to beat teams efficiently, handily, and if you're vying for the college football playoff like they are, you don't want these games too close. And if he doesn't turn these ball if he doesn't turn these balls over, Oklahoma wins that Iowa State game pretty well. Uh, Oklahoma beats the hell out of TCU. That Baylor game is probably still pretty difficult, but yeah. I bet they still win. But six times in three games, it's not going to cut it. And he knows it's not going to cut it. And it's just, it's it's alarming to me. But what is not alarming to me, or what is, should be alarming to others, uh, clearly hasn't alarmed anybody at ESPN, is that the defense was put on the field in very, very poignant times throughout the game, especially in the second half, where TCU had a zero conversion rate, according to Bill Connolly. A zero conversion rate as far as like doing anything productive in the second half, especially in the fourth quarter, when time was of the essence and when they needed to do something. And Oklahoma, their defense answered the bell with negative plays. And Kenneth, it sounds bad to say this, Kenneth Mann going out with a season-ending injury, very unfortunate, has made way again for Jalen Redmond to be on the field more often, to be able to make plays far more often. Jalen Redmond He's has, a much more disruptive guy and has higher upside. He's looked like he's looked like Jalen Redmond earlier this season instead of when he was spelling Kenneth Mann. Uh, he's looked great. Um, and that's that's something that I'm very excited for. And the defense looked genuinely, and Lincoln Riley mentioned this at his post-game presser, the defense, they looked super excited to get back on the field because they knew they were going to go kick some more ass. And it was exciting. And you didn't see that attitude oh, in the last three years. I mean, no, this is extremely not. refreshing. When this is the culture change you were talking about, yeah, and this was needed. as important as anything schematic. Mm-hmm. It's night and day. It's getting on the field, being excited because you know you can beat the guy in front of you, and you believe you can beat the guy in front of you. And that's it. it the culture change is so important because these are the same players, and and Alex Grinch has them from. 81st and pass defense to whatever and you know whatever it is in snp to now top 40 gig like come on i I was expecting maybe 70-ish 60-ish 60-ish as improvement and you're now in the top 50 number one in the big 12 in total defense granted it's 2019 you don't look at total defense as much because it doesn't tell as much of it doesn't tell efficiency and everything else still pretty damn cool and this and they haven't even forced the turnovers alex grinch wants to this isn't even the full implementation of what Alex Grinch wants to do with the defense in their top 40. It's impressive to me. It's the mindset. It's guys ready to go on the field to go kill. And I, you got to love it. And you got to love Caleb Kelly. I was a little surprised to see him out there. I was watching I was watching the defense, and then I, I did a double take. I said, Hold, wait, holy crap, 19's on the field. Caleb Kelly. Like, I like, like, screamed at everybody. I was like, guys! Caleb Kelly's in the field. Like that's not something I was expecting. No, not at all. I figured they would wait for Bedlam. I thought they would too. Do you and... think we'll see him in Bedlam? Oh hell yeah! I mean, 
you do want to preserve his redshirt situation at the same time, though. And, I mean, right now it's looking way, way, way more likely that if OU wins out that there's a very good chance of them making the college football playoff. And if they win the first game, then mm-hmm. it's going to be five games for Caleb Kelly. So and he said, where do you give him his break for the red shirt? I mean, and he said, Hey, he is going to play. And if that college football playoff, if he gets, the, if he gets the finale, he's going to play. Well, good for him. And he's going to burn that red shirt. And he said, he's coming back next year, regardless. So basically, he he doesn't get his fight. He does. He goes more than four games. He's done. And Oklahoma is playing a national title. He only gets the four games. He's coming back next year. Why wouldn't? He, why would he leave? Is what he said. And so that makes me honestly feel so much more better about next year's linebacking core. And it, it just makes me really happy for Caleb Kelly. The man was in on the most important defensive series of the game. The last TCU possession, he was in over Deshaun White, and they played the option so much better with him in. He was a little rusty. He's more explosive and dynamic. He's the five-star. You can tell he's the five-star on that group. He looked good, especially when you don't have nine reads. Yeah, exactly, yeah. He looked, it, yes, finally being able to see him in an Alex Grinch defense was a, a sight to behold. It, it, it It's great, and I loved every second of it. But, man, it's just I'm getting texts from my dad in the middle of the game. About Jalen Hurts. First one is, what the hell's wrong with this guy? This guy's experience, he's costing us the game. Da, 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 you know. And it's just, that's not something I expected from a guy like Jalen Hurts. A guy like Jalen Hurts, Jalen Hurts was explained to me as Alex Smith type game manager. Not going to lose you the game. May win you the game a couple times. Won't turn the ball over too much. And now it's a problem as far as throwing to the other team. Like, the play before the pick six should have been intercepted. Yeah. And getting a little loose with the ball, not carrying it high and tight, and it bugs me. And it should bu- and it should bug you, you know? And, and I don't think it's a fatigue thing. We were just talking about this, but... I think part of it might be fatigue because he is running the ball several times. He's taken several hits. The defenses are keying in on Jalen Hurts. They know the scouting report is out. Iowa State did it first. Baylor did it even better second hit the crap out of Jalen Hurts on read options, go after Jalen every time. We're looking at the running back second, key in on him. And if you're going to carry the ball 24 times, man, that's going to take a toll on a quarterback. And he doesn't have to carry the the ball. I was, I was, I was not sure if I was going to say rock or ball, the raw. But he doesn't have to tote the rock 24 times. He does have a tendency to pull it when he shouldn't. Because he believes in his abilities a lot more maybe than Kennedy Brooks. But you give the ball to Kennedy Brooks and he's ripping off 15, 20 yards. Why wouldn't you give him? So I think part of it's on him as well. I think, yeah, a lot of that's just him as a competitor. I think it he's is. got a little bit of Kobe Bryant in him there. So, I mean, I can't blame him because you want a quarterback with that confidence. At the same time, man, like, I, I, I get it. You're run, you are a running quarterback you're probably going to have some fumbles. That makes sense. But the passes, um, you got to look past your first read. And it's it's weird because we thought, oh, maybe the Baylor game will help him. There was no C.D. Lamb. He had to look at four of the receivers. It's going to help him go through his reads. And C.D. Lamb comes back. He's glued to C.D. He passes like three times since halftime, and they just run the ball the entire time. It's working, but... Part of it as well is he's glued to CD and he's staring him down. 
And that's what led to that pick six as well. Besides CD slipping, he stared CD down the entire time. That's an issue. Um, turnovers are fixable to an extent. Carry it high and tight. Be aware of the ball placement. Don't throw over traffic. But at the same time, you can't co- out coach or coach out instincts of a player that he's been doing since high school. And he was taught the same thing at Alabama. First reason out there, take off. That's what he was taught for three years and in high school. So he's doing the same thing under Lincoln Riley. It makes sense. Um, but today we were joined by Joel Penfield from Cowboys Ride for Free, or Cowboys Ride Faux Free, as I F-O. would like to say. Um, after that, we'll talk to you guys a little bit about you know Bedlam and what else uh, What else has that to say. But we'll join you guys after the break. All right, guys. Today we're joined by Joel Penfield from Cowboys Ride for Free. Thanks for coming on the podcast, Joel. Faux Free. Yeah, Faux Free. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you for having me. All right, let's get rolling. Uh, you know, Oklahoma State's defense got off to a pretty inauspicious start in the second season under Jim Knowles, but the group has definitely buckled down during this winning streak. Uh, what's been the, the uh, key to this unit's turnaround? So when oh, when Jim Knowles was hired by Oklahoma State, we knew the scheme that he was bringing in was completely different from Glenn Spencer in years past, where it was with Spencer, it was bend but don't break. We're going to force turnovers. You know, we're you know we're, we may give up a ton of yards and we may give up some points, but we're going to give the ball back to the offense as much as we can. With Jim Knowles, it's we're going to be aggressive. We're going to blitz. We're going to, you know, just throw as much as we can at the offense and see what sticks. And last year, it was a huge learning process. The defense struggled at times significantly, in fact, um, in a lot of games. But this year, it seems like the scheme and what they've been able to do on defense, it seems to be what the mold Jim Knowles wanted to come in with. And the and actually, the last four games have been the best we've seen. Now, have they played world beaters in the Big 12? Absolutely not. But the last time that Oklahoma State gave up 28 points or less in four consecutive Big 12 games, uh, it's never happened. The last time they did that was when they were still in the Big 8. So what we've been able to see from the Oklahoma State defense is they're able to now start mixing in more pressure combined with the fact that secondaries really come together nicely. Like Everything seems to be working with what we knew and what we expected from Jim Knowles. Uh, being able to bring pressure, but now they're able to force turnovers with it as well. So talking about the defense, which players would you say are most vital to the group's success this year? So I'll start with the linebackers. Uh, that that was a position that was of concern at the beginning of the season because Calvin Bundage, who's just a one-man wrecking crew, uh, he was out for the season. Uh, we knew he wasn't going to play at least at the beginning of the year. But now he, he's out for the season. So Amen Ogbong Vamiga, one of the best names in all of the Big 12, uh, he's stepped up from a backup role this year and been a solid, consistent starter all season. He was the leading tackler against West Virginia last week and uh, definitely the player of the game. Malcolm Rodriguez uh, from Wagner, Oklahoma, state wrestling champ, in case you didn't know or listen to any of the cliches that all the announcers talk about on uh, any, any sort of broadcast you listen to. But he moved down from safety to linebacker just for depth. And he has been an all-conference type player for them on defense this year. Colby Harville-Peel is a safety. Uh, He struggled a little bit at the beginning of the year, but it seems like he's really embraced and moved toward being a ball hawk type safety that can still play downhill and stop the run as well. He has, I believe, five or six interceptions this season, a few forced fumbles. He's been huge. And then a little bit of a wild card type guy. Uh, but a, someone that we're very excited about here in Stillwater is freshman uh, edge rusher Trace Ford. Uh, he's gotten some significant playing time this season as a freshman, 
And he seems like a guy that, you know, he's fast off the edge, a little bit undersized, but he's able, he uses his quickness and his athleticism uh, to be able to at least disrupt pressure, you know, disrupt the quarterback, get pressure and make plays in the open field as well. So watch out for 94, uh, Trace Ford on uh, Saturday as well. Edmund kid too. So there you go. Uh, switching over to the offense, uh, in the absence of Spencer Sanders, how does OSU's offensive scheme change with Drew Brown at the home? So you definitely don't see as much in the quarterback run game. Uh, Spencer Sanders obviously is a dynamic runner uh, and he's a true dual threat quarterback. Uh, Drew Brown is a little more of a passer and I, I hate this comparison, but I, I think it describes Drew Brown pretty well. He is kind of a Baker Mayfield light six foot, 195, 200 you know, athletic enough to make plays outside the pocket, not a burner and can make consistent throws down the field. And what we saw from him on uh, Saturday was good enough. Um, you know, it was his first legit, the first legitimate snaps he's seen since he was at Hawaii in 2017. And he showed a comp, you know, the confidence to throw the ball down the field. He was quick. He was precise when he had, you know, time to throw. There were times where he, uh, he broke the pocket a little too soon and took some sacks, but uh, you know, it, we think it opens up the passing game a little bit because he is a little more decisive and can process information faster than Spencer Sanders has been able to this season with Sanders, you know, at times had the propensity to put the ball on the ground or throw interceptions. So I like that from a ball security perspective from the quarterback. I mean, Chuba Hubbard is Chuba Hubbard. I mean, he's the best running back in the country. And I, I'm, you know, I, that's a hill I will die on. So that's, you know, the, it's really the offensive game plan, you know, kind of lives and dies with what Chuba is going to do either catching the ball out of the backfield like we saw him do last week or, you know, just running and getting his and seeing what he can do. But I think Drew Brown adds a different element because of his ability to throw the ball more effectively. So talking about Chuba Hubbard, state your case for him to be the deserving candidate of the Heisman Trophy. Man, I mean, what he's been able to do this season behind an offensive line that's been makeshift uh, for most of the season, there was a lot of health issues with you know, they've had to move around the offensive line consistently. I mean, 1,800 yards, I believe he leads the country in yards, in rushing yards uh, or running plays of 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, and 90 yards. You know, 20 touchdowns. What he's And what he's been able to do consistently all season, He the only team to hold him under 100 yards was McNeese State, if you want to call it that. He only had eight carries in that game for 44 yards. Everyone else, he's been over 100 yards. Um and he's been doing it as really the bell cow for an offense that's needed him. You know, I don't think there's a more valuable player in college football this season than Chuba Hubbard. Now, sort of staying on this topic, his offensive line struggled a bit in 2019, but in what ways has the unit improved here in 2019? It, to me, it all goes back to Charlie Dickey. Uh, he was the K-State offensive line coach for years and years under Bill Snyder. And you know how, you know, we watched a Big 12 football to know how nasty those, those K-State offensive lines were, you know, in the heyday of K-State football. When they, you know, even when they were down, they, it felt like they just churned out guy after guy that was really, really good. And those lines were very, very good. So I think it really, it's, it really is a coaching thing. And it, it seems to be that way. Uh, Johnny Wilson, it helps to have, you know, veterans like Dylan Galloway and Marcus Keys and Johnny Wilson. But guys like Hunter Anthony and Bryce Bray and Rye Schneider are other guys that have been able to work in. And Tevin Jenkins as well, who is probably the best of the group considering his versatility playing left tackle, right tackle, you know, right guard. You know, th this is a group that while they've moved around a lot, they've been able to stay consistent enough to at least give the quarterback a little bit of time and open up enough holes for Chuba to do what he's been able to do. 
So Tylen Wallace is out for the year, and this is, of course, before the Spencer Sanders stuff. And um, I talked to some people about, you know, hearing about Tylen Wallace being out for the year a while back when it was a lot of smoke to the fire. Um, but which of Drew Brown's targets should be should we really keep our eye closest to this weekend with Tylen out for the year? So Dylan Stoner has been the the go to guy as a wide receiver for Oklahoma State in the absence of Tylen Wallace. He moved he for the most for all of his career actually he's been a slot receiver. That's uh, pretty much where we've exclusively seen him, Mister Consistent. Uh, we we joke that he's going to be the next great wide receiver for the New England Patriots, but I don't think it's that far off, um, just because he fits that mold so much of a, a Julian Edelman West. But his ability to shift from that and move into the position that Tylen Wallace plays at the X receiver uh, has been nothing short of impressive and something that none of us really expected to happen. Uh, he's been a vertical threat. He's been able to run tough routes over the middle. He he's definitely become the go-to guy in the absence of Tylen Wallace, and that's been something that has been very impressive. And you know, I I thought you know as much as as great as it is to have Tylen Wallace. Uh, I think that was going to be the best thing for Spencer Sanders' development because it took away the safety blanket of having one of the best receivers in the country and forced him to get off that first read. But Dylan Stoner has turned out to be a you know a guy that you can rely on first, second, third down to get him the ball. Landon Wolf and Jordan McRae are two other guys that uh, that are consistently getting the ball. Jordan McRae is a six-six uh, uh, grad transfer from South Alabama. Landon Wolf's a slot guy. Braden Johnson has burner speed, so. Even though you lose a guy like Tylen Wallace, there's still talented receivers all over the field for Oklahoma State. Now, I'm not saying that you would want to do this, obviously, but if you could snap your fingers and change Mike Gundy's hairstyle into anything else, what would be your pick? Oh, oh man. Ah, oh, that's tough. Um, oh, man. Um, I don't know. I feel like because he wears like the tucked in hoodie and like all the dads. So I feel whatever the most dad haircut you can possibly think of in your head, it probably be something like that. What are you thinking? Kami are like a Caesar's haircut, like a Caesar. Yeah. Like a, like a peaky blinders kind of haircut. Yeah. might be. Kind yeah. Of something, kind of like it, it would be something like that. And then he'd wear like the dad jeans with the, you know, the worn in new balances. And then he'd have a tucked in sweatshirt, white new balances, very, very light blue jeans. But with a little bit of James Taylor t-shirt or something like that. With, very, the, uh, with, with some grass stains on those white New Balances. Oh, just yeah. So they smoke the lawn a little bit. Absolutely. Maybe like holding a box set of like a band of brothers or something like that. <laughs> Jeez. That makes sense, man. But the real question is, and this is oh, it's kind of a double-edged sword, you know, the the – Stillwater community loves themselves some alumni, but how happy or relieved are you that Doug Gottlieb isn't OSU's head basketball coach right now? I, I would just like to thank Brad Underwood for coming to Oklahoma State for one season and then leaving us <laughs> with Mike Boynton. And there was a joke on Twitter. I can't. I wish I could give credit to who said it, but uh, so I think we were doing a Q and A at Cowboy Drive for free for some uh, mailbag article or whatever. And someone asked how much of uh, Brad Underwood's success at Oklahoma State was directly attributed to Mike Boynton being on his staff. And but no, I, yeah. but no, tr- truly, we we are very fortunate to uh, to have Mike Boynton, and uh, I will uh, I will fully admit that I was on board with having Doug Gottlieb as head coach at the time, and I'm so glad that I was wrong. 
Can you tell me more about the possible NCAA allegations and violations that OSU might be uh, be under? Apparently, it's not that huge of a deal. I just I just no. saw it across my timeline, and I'm not so, an OSU aficionado. So it was. It's going back to the FBI investigation from a couple of years ago, where Lamont Evans, who was an assistant at the time. Um, he was, you know, linked in that Adidas scandal. Um, I think it was like a dinner with an agent or something like that for one of the Oklahoma State players. I think it was Jeffrey Carroll at the time. And I think that was the only link to Oklahoma State, but there was nothing in the way of paying players or uh, anything like that. So it, it doesn't seem like in the grand scheme of it all that Oklahoma State's going to be significantly involved because it is, um, because it is a, uh, None of the players uh, that were involved are around the program and none of the coaches that were involved are around the program anymore. So it doesn't seem like there's, mm-hmm. it seems almost like a non-issue. And yeah. I think Oklahoma state's got a good chance to get the violations rescinded. That's fair. So we're going to play a little game. Are you ready? All right, let's go. Okay. The, the game, it's usually called the fuck, Mary kill, but we're going to call it wed bed dead because we don't want to piss off any of the uh, baby boomers. So wed bed dead. Not fuck, Mary kill. Here are the three. Are you ready? All right. Jim Traber, Gary Busey, or Oklahoma Governor Kevin Stitt? Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm proud of myself for this one. I'm not going to lie. That's a good oh, question. Man. It's a great question. Oh, that's tough. All, I guess we'll dead Jim Traber. Um, good call. He's pretty close. Yeah, well, <laughs> I guess we'll bet. I guess we'll bet Gary Busey because that's just hilarious. His hair always looks like it, so I mean, might as well, right? <laughs> Isn't that the most like random alumni you could possibly have for your university? Yeah, like, that's I feel great. like it is. It's it's hilarious. <laughs> I'd like to have him. I mean, yeah, yeah. the Busey man. That man, it's and crazy. then I guess so. I guess I guess we'll wed Kevin Stitt just because that's what's left over. But for sure, dead Jim Jim Traber and uh, we'll bet Gary Busey. <laughs> <laughs> what jeez? Now you have to tell me why Eskimo Joe's is so overrated. Oh God, because it went so it be, it became a brand, and it went away from the food. They they you know they blew out the store is massive now like i think they just went so much you know so corporate that they the only thing that's good at that place is sweet pepper bacon cheese fries they are good i will give you that yes in the, like, che- in the malls they had eskimo joe's yeah in here in uh, by the like apparel well springs yeah, and penn square yeah sooner fashion everything it's crazy yeah yeah like, i will say like if you just go you get the cheese fries you get yourself a beer and a joe's cup and you sit there and you get nothing else you just you the cheese fries alone, like that's all you need because nothing else is really that good. And I Plus think another part filling. of it, I mean, it's a ton oh, of cheese. Oh, for sure, and they're pretty well, damn and, good. And the other part of it is it it's not really a uh, like a college hangout. It's so touristy, and I think that's really what took away the charm of it. Sure. So, would you rather fight one thousand duck-sized horses or one horse-sized duck? Hmm. This is important. This is a very important question. It is. Thank you. So it's a thousand duck-sized horses or one horse-sized duck. Is that correct? That, yep. Okay. So um, little horses, big duck. I'd rather big duck just from a quantity perspective. I feel like I could get overrun by a thousand duck-sized horses. 
Plus, the thing is, those little horses, they have their hooves, and yeah. they're right at your shin level. So that could be problematic, in it my could, opinion. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, mean, I would. you can only kick so many times. If, if it's just one duck-sized horse, I mean, you can get a big enough gun and just, just one shot, and you're probably good. That's true. Like now, a, if it's like a, a duck-sized geese, then it would be mean, and it would be yes. a harder fight. But duck is doable, I feel. Yeah. I agree with that. It's a uh, good take. Joel, what is your favorite bar on the Strip? Favorite bar on the Strip is College Bar. So, I know J.R. Murphy's is super popular. Uh, palm Trees. But College Bar is my favorite, and I have no shame in admitting this. I am a significant beer snob. And that is the best place to get a really, really good craft beer on the strip. It's really the only place that has like really good beer selection. So that's where I go. Yeah, Stillwater is definitely more of like a natural light kind of town, I guess. I would. It is. It uh, is. It's good to mix it up from time to time, though. I guess. Yeah, that that's where I go, and I go there, and then you go to Coney Island at about one in the morning, and you get some cheese tots, which is literally just tater tots that are like frozen tater tots they deep fry and then they put cheddar cheese on it pop it in the microwave for a third it is the best thing ever when you're a little you know you've had a few by about one in the morning now is this like a processed ballpark cheese or like shredded cheese or like no it's shredded, it's shredded cheese shredded cheese it's shredded okay. cheese hmm. well that can't be bad well what's your favorite place to eat in Stillwater? is, is it coney island uh, after a few beers, yes. Um, my favorite place to eat in Stillwater, um, honestly, Palomino's Mexican food. It, it's just a solid Mexican restaurant. No, not great, not bad. Just it's really good for a college town. Hideaway is really good pizza too. I know some people say it's overrated. I enjoy it. Hideaway, you can't go wrong with Hideaway. Yeah, it's pretty great. No, you get you get the big country, and then you just go and take a nap. Mm-hmm. Who's your favorite? osu football player of all time in addition to that who's also your favorite ou football player of all time hmm. you know uh can i go with samaj p ryan and jalen hurts because they sure, are yeah. very much like yeah because p ryan just when you have baker mayfield on the same team it's just a breath of fresh air to not have an arrogant asshole on your team <laughs> and having j and ha- and stinks, you know, it's it's a breath of fresh air after the two arrogant quarterbacks you guys have had in the past. And a guy that, you know, of the three, you know, gives Oklahoma State the best chance to win because his completion percentage is pretty good if you count some of his throws to the other team. Um, but yeah, that's so fair. I would say it really is. We've been pulling our hair out lately. Yeah, but no, if between the two, I'd probably have to say Samaj P. Ryan. Uh, best favorite Oklahoma State player is really, really tough. But I would go with Zach Robinson because that was the era when I really first started watching Oklahoma State football. And I remember watching the game against Mizzou in 2008 when they were number three in the country or so in that top five. And Oklahoma State went in in a game that I thought they had no shot of winning and did when I was, I think I was maybe, I was 11 or 12 when that game happened. And now I remember watching that. And that's really when I fell in love with Oklahoma State football. Oh, sorry, man. Um, but yeah, that, that, I would probably say that just because that was the era when I really first started watching Oklahoma state. If you could choose to only listen to one of these things for the rest of your life, which would you choose Garth Brooks's career catalog or the entire red dirt country catalog? 
Oh, that's really tough because I love red dirt. Um, I would say just for the variety, I would go with with red dirt. No disrespect to Garth Brooks, but you at least get a you know you get your turnpike, you get William Clark Green, you get uh, you know cross Canadian ragweed. Like you you get a little bit of variety in there that I I could live with. That's a smart answer. You know, I'm not a fan of country music, but I can listen to Garth. That's a weird statement because I know Garth is like only country, but. Well, he had sort of that rock and roll uh, production quality to his concerts and stuff like that. And then when he was Chris Gaines, it was all emo Garth. That was weird. That was weird. That that was very weird. Yeah. (laughs) He like taped his cheekbones, or taped his face back up to his cheekbones all high and stuff. It was all strange, wearing black and stuff. It was very uncomfortable. Black was slimming, so it was advantageous for him. true. Um, Joel, if you could only drink one beer... For the rest of your life, because as you said, you're a beer snob. If you go and drink one for the rest of your life, which one are you going with? One beer for the rest of my life. Um, I'll go with just the one that's my favorite uh, of all time. Uh, I'm from Kansas City originally, so I'm going to go with uh, Boulevard Rattler. It's a ginger lemon beer that's like, you know, perfect, like front porch, hot summer day type. Uh, yeah, that, that would be definitely the one that I'd go with. I am a Boulevard guy. I've never had the Rattler, so that's interesting. I'm going to wait for it to warm up, and I'm definitely going to try that out. But you'll, you'll be able to find it in Oklahoma right around April. Hmm. That's Because it's just, you know, that's for spring and summer. Yeah. yeah. What do you hate most about OU fans? Oh, God. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let me count the ways. No, I'm just joking. Um I would say it's just because there's it's just a stereotype of uh you know Oklahoma State fans went to Oklahoma went to Oklahoma State and OU fans went to Walmart. Um it's funny how OU fans are more fickle than Oklahoma State fans at times and I think it's a lot of it is because there's no tie to the university other than just from August through December. The thing is that they can also apply to Alabama, Texas, oh, USC. There, oh, so many. It, it, it is what it is. So we don't really take it that personally. So I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Did you guys? Anyway. Both, uh, this, I'm not trying to to make a point. I was. Did you guys both go to to OU? <laughs> yeah, we did. Yes. Okay. Awesome. I uh, that I was just curious. I honestly didn't know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Cool. Was, good good for you. Awkward guys. if we didn't. Though. He was trying to shit a, shit on us on the podcast. You're that. I good. honestly was not. <laughs> but I wasn't yeah, going to try and make a point. <laughs> Uh, now that my answer would have been different if you said no, but you know. Yeah, it's okay. I was gonna call. You said Drew Brown was Baker Mayfield light, and I was gonna call him a Tate Martell wannabe. So it's Ooh. all it's all good. <laughs> Fuck, that was good. <laughs> That's really good. I won't even lie. <laughs> I mean, you gotta look at the tattoos, and you look at the way he carries himself. It's about the same. <laughs> just, just throwing it out there. Oh, oh man. well. Damn, I'll take that, that, I'll really take that over grabbing my dick on the sideline playing KU. Hey, hey, it wins a win. <laughs> <laughs> he got suspended for two plays. I think. I, my favorite part of that is uh, <laughs> he misses the first, you know, series of the game, and it's senior day, and his teammates bring out a jersey like of him dead. out at half. That was like the yeah. dumbest thing of all time. He was missing a series for grabbing his dick. And Kyler Murray goes like <laughs> 70 yards in the first play. It's like, well, okay. I guess Lincoln I, just I made two plays. My one of my better <laughs> tweets. I'm I'm very subpar on Twitter, but when he got arrested, I tweeted uh 
you know, just an asterisk, like misses half a play in the spring game. Like Kyler Murray comes in and then he just runs out and catches a pitch and throws it downfield. I, I like my quarterback to party. So, oh, well, just not I'm fine with it. Not like Chris Robeson. I, I do. I do want him to run a little bit better yeah. while he's drinking, but I don't know. He he had eaten food truck food. He yeah. had had tacos and Chinese Chinese food, food was, was on his hoodie. Yeah. Chinese food was on his hodie when he was running away. <laughs> oh, that's great. Joel, how do you see this one? It's Bedlam and Saturday, primetime, um, under the lights. How do you see this game playing out? And what's your score prediction? So I like I said I, I'm an Oklahoma, I'm a diehard Oklahoma State fan. Uh, have been my whole life. Um, I have watched one too many games where OU rips my heart out in the end, and I just I can't do that anymore. I can't do that to myself. I, I have told myself. Uh, I will not go into Bedlam thinking there's a legitimate chance Oklahoma State wins until Oklahoma State wins five out of seven. I'm probably going to die before that happens, but it's at least I'm giving myself a mark to before I decide to go all in on Oklahoma State winning Bedlam. But I think, and there's a lot of confidence among the fan base that some that I think is um, veiled and we know the pain is coming, but OU has looked vulnerable in spots. Um, in the last few games against Iowa State and Baylor or in uh, TCU and even Baylor really before, you know, in that first half, you know, I think there's places where Oklahoma State can exploit uh, Oklahoma and a lot of it comes on, you know, forcing Jalen Hurts to make bad decisions. And, you know, when you have Chuba Hubbard, you know, you all, I feel really good about the offense, but I'm going to pick Oklahoma to win 34, 24. I think it's a game that OU just has a lead and Oklahoma State's going to find a way to climb and keep their way in it to where it's it's close. But I just I don't see Oklahoma State winning this game. I wish I did, uh, and I I would love to be wrong on Saturday night if if that's the case. I will be one of the happiest people on the planet. But I just it's like uh, going back to that uh, just the ex girlfriend that breaks your heart constantly, and I just I can't do it again. And I so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna definitively pick Oklahoma to win 34-24. One last question. What are your opinions on Sam Mays or sooner Sam, as some people might mention him? The fan base is so fucking stupid sometimes. Like it just, it hurts my, it hurts my heart. Like just stop. It's really just, all it is is just giving him the attention that he wants. That's all it is. I I really don't give a shit. I don't listen to him. I don't listen to the franchise because it's so OU centric that I just, I can't listen to it. Um, and really just the fact that he, he'll say something positive about Oklahoma State and our fan base still shits on him just to me makes no sense. Like, I, I really don't care either way. Like, good for him for, you know, having a career and being able to play sports for a living. I mean, that's really what we all want to do, right? So there's that. Um, I really don't care. I think that about does it. Joel, thanks for coming on the podcast. Tell us and everybody where they can find your stuff. You can follow me at JT Penfield on Twitter. You can follow Cowboy Driver Free if you so desire at CowboyRFF. All right, thanks for coming on the pod, and we are looking forward to a pretty good game this Saturday. Best of it's luck. going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun for sure. 100%. Okay, Jack. This Saturday, once again, primetime, 7 o'clock, under the lights. Oklahoma Sooners versus Oklahoma State Cowboys. Bedlam, Fox, Oklahoma is favored by, as of now, 13.5 points. What do you think? Ooh, I, I'd take Oklahoma to cover there. You think so? I think so, yeah. Wow. Just, I, I, 
granted, Oklahoma State's defense is playing much better, but they mm-hmm. haven't really played any good offenses in the stretch. So, it, other than Iowa State, it's true. And Iowa State did get theirs against them. So, I mean, it, it is a much improved defense. I will give them that. Yeah. But unless Jalen Hurts turns it over, I can see OU imposing its will offensively. I could see that too. Um, and so let's talk about who has the edge where. Let's start on offense. Would you agree with me in stating that Oklahoma has the edge in quarterback Yes, play? of course. Of course. Yeah. Uh, as we know, Spencer Sanders is not playing. And there was a lot of smoke about that earlier last week. And uh, it was like a Drew Brees sort of thing that he's going to be sidelined. Maybe we'll play the bowl game, but we'll see. What about running back? Oklahoma State. Chuba Hubbard gets the nod. I agree. And he's he's fantastic. And oh, honestly, like Joel said, their game plan is give the ball to Chuba. Get the ball to Chuba. Get the ball to Chuba. Throw it downfield. Screen game. Running downhill. Get the man the ball. 30 carries, 15 catches, etc. Thank God this isn't the 2017 Oklahoma defense with the gap discipline oh, issues and God. Tim Kitch coaching well, the linebackers. There's, there's still some gap. There are some, but it's not as glaring, Yeah, there's, there's some still some gap disciplinary issues, but... Um, they're usually getting to the right gap. Yeah, maybe sometimes overrunning it. How about wide receivers? Oh, you'd give it to Oklahoma still, but I mean, it, it's those are two very good units. Even without uh, Tylen Wallace, Oklahoma State has some athletes at receivers. Yeah. So it, it, both very strong, but obviously the edge of Oklahoma. I would they, say Bam is the only yeah school that's beating Oklahoma at wide receiver. Yeah, I would I would agree. And Ceedee Lamb, uh, Bolitnikov finalist today, so. That's another one possibly in the making. And I would agree. Oklahoma, wide receivers, 100%. What about you know, H-back tight end? Mm. Grant Calcaterra retires no. from concussions officially that we noted. That's opening things up for Lee Morris, who was starting to ball out a little bit. He was. I'd give it to OU. Yeah, and, and it's kind of a mystery right now, right? Stogner's been getting spotty playing time, and, and when he's in the goal line, he usually does something pretty well, and... Lee Morris is always a functional guy in the game, and he was one of the reasons why OU was able to come back versus Baylor. Hell of a game. Um, I'm not too sure about OSU's tight ends. I know they have some massive guys that they're going to try to work against Buki. We'll see what happens in the game. I'm going to call that one a push. Yeah. I don't feel comfortable. And to be clear, Lee Morris isn't actually like a tight end. Yeah. But, I mean, he plays the Y position in Oklahoma's offense. So that's sort of what you consider. And the H-backs have been good. Braden Willis is starting to really come on. he has. And uh, Jeremiah Hall, he's he's not Dimitri Flowers, but he's solid. And if OU had Grant Calcaterra, and again, good luck to him. He's going to be a fireman. Uh, I think that's really awesome of him. Battling fires out in Southern California, yeah, that, that is no small task. I mean, he's a brave dude for going out and doing that. I mean, it's if that, that's a serious thing. Had Grant Calcaterra, I'd, I'd give that one to OU. And offensive line. OSU's vastly improved. Oklahoma over the past four or five See, games. See, with Oklahoma coming on as much as it is right now, oh. I mean, it, it's kind of hard to gauge because the first half against Baylor was so bad. It was. They were pushed around, but granted, Baylor has a very good defensive line. Right. So. And Oklahoma made the switch. Of course. Yeah, Proctor. they cut, went to Proctor. And, At left tackle instead yeah. of putting, and this is what I liked, instead of putting, uh, because remember when Ely went out, they put Proctor at uh they put proctor swenson at right tackle and they put proctor at left tackle and it just was it wasn't great it was bad and that was the iowa state game and they just slid in proctor to left tackle making it a lot easier there's no there's only one moving part and since that left second half and all the tcu road grading teams yeah absolutely and because swenson closing its will so yeah i i 
right now, with the form they're in currently, I would give it to OU. And OSU's is more, very much more formidable this year than it has oh, been in the past. Oh, of course, yeah, it was horrible last year, but yeah. they've been, you know, they've been pretty good this year. I mean, they uh, they went up against a really good defensive front at West Virginia last mm-hmm. weekend. Mm-hmm. They, it wasn't easy for them, but they were able to do some things. So yeah. I mean, it that was fairly impressive. So offensively, we would be giving the edge to Oklahoma just yeah. by simply position groups. Defense, let's start with linebackers. What do you think? Ooh. I'd give it to Oklahoma still. I'd give it to Oklahoma yeah. too. I mean, like Joel said, they've had issues and they've had in- injuries with Calvin Bundage. I mean, I got to see Bundage play um, a few years back when he was still at Santa Fe, and the guy is a heat-seeking missile. Yeah. Not that great in coverage, but he will kill you in run support, and he's out. And so they've had other backups come up and really, really play big roles. They haven't played teams that are just explosive offensively. I mean, Oklahoma is... Yeah, that's what we were saying. You know, this stretch has been impressive, Yeah, but they haven't, other than Iowa State, it hasn't been a I mean, great o- level of competition. Oklahoma is number one in offensive S&P. They are the most efficient and explosive offensive team in college football right now, still. So when Lincoln told Barry Trammell at Big 12 Media Days, do you expect the dip? Oh, no. It's ringing true. And yeah. next year's only going to, they're going to take off the lid off the offense. It's going to be impressive. Um, I give it to linebackers Oklahoma. Yeah. Hello, Kenneth Murray, not a butt-kissed finalist, um, but was a semifinalist. Caleb Kelly knocking off the rust. He's still Caleb Kelly. Deshaun White. Still learning, is going to be very good in the future. And then, of course, you've got guys like Brian Osamoa. Uh, Nick Benito's coming into his own that you really, really like, really enjoy what he's been able to do the last game and a half. And, uh, yeah, I'm giving that to Oklahoma. Defensive backs, though. You give that to Oklahoma State, I would say. You think so? There's a lot of experience back there in yeah. the defensive backfield. A.J. Green's really good. If we're talking about cornerbacks, is it a push or are you giving it to Oklahoma State or Oklahoma mm. I, I would give a slight edge to Oklahoma State there. But the safety. Safety, it's Oklahoma State. I, I would agree with that. Because Alex Grinch, I mean, that's the thing he talks about. He he gets to Oklahoma and he's like, well, what's up with these safeties? <laughs> you know? <laughs> he's, he says, you can only play two. You can't filter in, guys. You can't rely on a lot of people. And Justin Burles, when he gets in there, he's he's out as quick as he gets in. And that's not to say that Justin Burles is bad. He's just... Alex Grinch's big mentality is having 22 guys, depth, playing at a high level at all times and being capable of doing that. And that's he's worried about the safeties. And then you go see Proctor ball out on game days. And you go see other guys that were in Oklahoma ball out, you know, for Ohio State and Michigan and other places and not Oklahoma. And it makes me think about what if you would have given Alex Grinch, Stephen Parker, and Ahmad Thomas? I think about that quite often. It's a weird thing about because yeah, Stephen Parker would have been great for Alex Grinch. Or what if you've given Alex Grinch, and this is partly due to a student issue, Will Sunderland, and Norwood is healthy. What's that defensive backfield look like? Looks like a much more... Well, at least you have depth at safety is what yeah. the deal would be. I mean, that's the issue. I mean, it's not like DTY and Pat Fields have always been bad. Right. But at least you'd have people dispel them when they weren't playing well. You don't have that option this year. Sunderland is starting. You just have to roll with them. Sunderland starts at OU. Oh, absolutely. 
he it, it would be Sunderland and it's maybe, good that he's doing well know, at Troy. I mean, yeah, you know, he's doing really well. It's just, just unfortunate that story, but uh, yeah, I because of safety play, I'm giving that to Oklahoma State, 100 percent defensive line play. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just because of how well they're coming. I mean, they had their little dip against Iowa State right. and Kansas State, but since then it's been... You just have so many monsters up there. I mean, Neville Gallimore is just a physical freak. I mean, Ronnie the guy, Perkins Ronnie is Perkins, on fire. I mean, yeah, I mean, Gallimore, I mean, he's an enormous human being. He runs a four seven five. Ronnie Perkins has been unblockable lately. My goodness. Now you have Jalen Redmond playing a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. this, is, this is a no-brainer. Oh, you... And Oklahoma State's unit is not bad either. They're not bad. It's just that OU has more talent. So, honestly. And is now finally well coached. So you give, are you giving the defense a nod to OU or OSU? I'd give it to OU. And I would give the whole, I mean, I would give the OU has the edge in the trenches, which would lead to, of course, most often, a win. This is why I'm confident. I mean, I, I feel yeah. like OU has too many uh, personnel advantages. And again, though, we present this with the same caveat as I walked into the stadium for the TCU game. OU should win by double digits. Turnovers can They're better happen, in the trenches. They turn the ball over a couple times. Buckle your seatbelt. And it's sad that I have to say this. I don't like that. But it's just been college football is a show-me-now sport. And the defense has been showing me now. But Jalen Hurts has been showing the team the other ball too much, and I don't like that. <laughs> and so the game and the game, you know, between OU and OSU, Bedlam, it's been it's it's having a weird kind of uh not a really a rhythm, but tendency lately, which either the game is handled well as far as the one team wins, maybe not comfortably as far as like thirty points, but 17 points, 14 points. The game is handled well enough, or the game is very close. So how do you see this game playing out? What's your score prediction? Score prediction, like I said, I've got OU covering. What is it, 13.5? 13, 13, 13, yeah, 13 and a half. Yeah, I, I, I could see OU winning this game like, uh, oh, I'd say 42-28, something like that. Okay. Something along those lines. Maybe 45-28, like a 17-point cushion, something like that, like barely covering the spread. Mm -hmm. That's what I could picture. And like you said, I mean, I think OU could uh, win the battle in the trenches and they can control possession. Mm -hmm. Jalen Hurts will probably have, you know, 150 yards rushing or something like that, so. And that's my thing. I think think Oklahoma, they have the battle in the trenches. I think they have superior guys in the trenches. I mean, offensive line, Marquise Hayes, my goodness, that guy is a goon. He's going to be... The poster child for that offensive line. The man is incredibly wide. He's violent. He's fast. His hands seemingly reach down to his shins with him just standing there. And he's mean. Like, after every play, he's almost getting a flag because he's busy talking and still shoving guys. And, like, you love a guy like that until he gets you two 15-yard penalties in a row. But, my goodness, the guy is just a complete monster. He's a road grader. And he's going to be the beating Bo's poster boy for that line going forward. And he's young. Love a guy like that. Love a guy like that. I've got OU 38-34. Okay. I think it's going to be close. It's Bedlam. It's night. That stadium is literally on top of you. I'll be there. It's going to be fun. Jalen has not necessarily folded under pressure, but not always done great under pressure and has relied on his teammates quite a bit. 
But I think with the evolved- granted, I don't think the opposing crowd has much to do with those issues. You don't think so? No, I don't think so. What do you think? Uh, well, I mean, I think he's so battle tested at Alabama. I mean, he's been in much harsher environments than the ones he's seeing in the Big Twelve by a lot. And I mean, it, it, I I think these issues have more to do with his feel for the game than it does his uh, being rattled by a crowd or anything like that. Because you're seeing him have these issues in Norman too. Yeah, it's weird. I don't think it's necessarily an opposing crowd that's having this impact on him. I think it's a fair assessment. Yeah, I think it's a fair assessment, and I I just think it's the night game. The paddle people on top of you, literally on top of you, slapping the sides of the stadium. It'll be a good atmosphere, electric atmosphere. Bedlam's as bedlam as usual. Uh, but let's go to right now. Cautional rankings uh, for the playoff that came out before you got over here. Oklahoma comes in at number seven. Baylor was at what, nine? Nine, yeah. So, of course, you're, you're four. High State, LSU, number two. LSU fans are very salty. They fell from number one. Shocker. Clemson at three, who Shocker has that played. LSU fans are bitching up a storm. <laughs> Clemson's played literally nobody, but they get number three because they haven't lost. That's fair. I mean, <laughs> not is, losing yeah, a game. All right. Four is, well, yeah, well, you would say that, but, you know, Baylor was undefeated. Yeah, they were still true. barely in the top 15. That's um, true. Georgia, number four, which will get canceled out. LSU and Georgia, one of them will be. And then Alabama, number five. No impressive wins. No impressive wins, and only one potential impressive win on the table. I mean, it, they they can't yeah, play in the ball. SEC title game, so their best shot. I mean, if they win this game, which I mean, obviously I they think should, they will, they will have one top twenty-five win, mm-hmm. and they will not be playing in their conference championship game. The people right now who are stumping for them should be ashamed of themselves. I agree. It's a, absurd and. Their logic is so flawed. They lack critical thinking skills. They keep saying things like, well, you can't possibly say that this isn't one of the top four teams. Look, I'll give you that, but you are taking this four best teams thing from the uh, college football playoff way too much at face value. Right. It is a marketing slogan. It's a mission statement. It is not gospel. Yeah. I mean, you've seen this in the past. This isn't necessarily about getting the four best teams in the playoff. It's not even necessarily about yeah. getting the four most deserving teams in the playoff. You're taking the four teams that make the most logical sense, and Alabama will not fit that bill. And the committee has been pretty good about this. Mm-hmm. For the past, I mean, obviously, with the exception of the first year, but yeah. with TCU and Baylor, but, and, but the team that they allowed in ended up Rolling over everyone, yeah, so it ended true. up working out. Anyway, yeah, I mean, and, and this would all favor Oklahoma. And it's it's unreal to me because they're, they're putting such an emphasis on who is the best team right now. This See, this is why I'm not worried about Alabama right now. And it's, if they're so worried about getting the best team right now, besides, like you said, the first go-round when TCU was just absolutely jobbed, um... Why do they why do they play 13 games? You know who's the best team in the country 8 games in despite injuries. So it it, it doesn't make any sense and what makes me most angry cuz I mean Utah's at 6 and you know I think Oregon's going to be Utah and Utah's not impressive. Utah's no Even top 25 wins. Even if Utah wins. wins, I mean Oregon's at number 14, Baylor's at number 9 and Oklahoma yeah. plays a top 25 team between now and then as well. So I mean 
I don't see any way that Oklahoma would not leapfrog Utah in that situation. So let's say Oklahoma Oklahoma wins out, of course, and they would have Oklahoma State on their resume as a top twenty-five team, but Oklahoma State would probably drop out as soon as they beat them. Um, Iowa State, Baylor twice. I mean, in Baylor, by that uh, token, would be a top ten team again. So, I mean, I just I just have an issue because the committee. They list the University of Texas as a good win for LSU. They do not list Texas as a good win for OU or Baylor. That sounds strange to me. The committee... They're basically giving LSU credit because Texas was overrated at the beginning of the season. That's basically what it's coming down to. And that's what blows my mind is because the buildup between the Red River rivalry, or Red River shootout, whatever you want to call it, was huge because, oh man, it's the first time in a while both these teams... Just kidding. It's the first time in a while that Texas has been good enough to play OU, and OU should have dominated them turnovers. despite turnovers. <laughs> and you're not going to give OU credit for that. That's what bugs me so much about it. The committee bumps up OU one spot after beating undefeated Baylor. Georgia, who lost to whatever South Carolina, is in the top four. And Baylor manhandles Texas by beating them by, like, what, 14? It was a late touchdown, so 17, 21, whatever. They did dominate that game. Defensively, they killed Texas, which hasn't been hard to do lately. And Kansas should have beat Texas. Texas shouldn't even be bowl eligible right now. And Baylor bumps up five spots? And OU bumps up one after beating undefeated Baylor? What, Granted, what, again, what Oklahoma was on? higher up, and they didn't have as much room to move. It so, just I mean, it it's... blows my mind. I don't know why you're tripping about this. Because these guys, they, they're they like, oh, well, this is clearly a better team. And it's like, if you're worried about putting teams and pinpointing teams about how good they are and where the rankings are, and then you're going to make Baylor jump. And, and I get it. There are a couple upsets. But you're going to make Baylor jump people because, man, they really beat the crap out of that really shitty Texas team. That doesn't make any sense to me. I, I agree with you on that, but part of it, I think, is just an overcorrection in favor of the Big 12. I think they wanted to see how Baylor responded after this Oklahoma loss. It's got issues with it, so. That's clear. fine. I have clear issues with it. but You're allowed to have a take. Mike, like your Trevor Knight take today. Oh, yeah. We'll, we'll, talk, we'll <laughs> talk about it a little bit later. <laughs> I made some of you fans pretty upset. Um, Mike Gundy. You saw this video. I'm sure you did. He uh, finally figured out Lincoln Riley has been bamboozling the league has been befuddling defensive coaches. I, too, was bamboozled. They have not been running a spread. They have been running, actually, a triple option disguised as the spread. Holy crap. They done thought us out. What's your take on that? I mean, he... Well, he's wrong about triple option. It's more wishbone. It's... Yeah. But... Yeah, it's not a Lincoln Riley offense this year. It's I mean, not. It's not. It's not. <laughs> it's not. And Lincoln, that's okay. Lincoln even said, "Yeah, next year's gonna change." What bothered yeah. What bothered me most about it was he listed off the amount of times Baker's run or Kyler's run, and I'm like, Baker and Kyler's offenses were clearly so different than what he has put forth with Jalen Hurts. Of course. And next year with Spencer Rattler or Tanner Mordecai, it's Spencer Rattler. Next year with Spencer Rattler, it's gonna look just like the Baker Mayfield and just like the Kyler Murray offenses this year is an anomaly as far as lincoln riley's offense more effective than those offenses yes because (laughs) because jalen hurts his skill set puts a cap 
on what Lincoln Riley can do. You take that lid off with Spencer Rattler, and now you have, oh my gosh, Austin Stogner, that offensive line, that bevy of running backs, five-star receivers, and more incoming. And then you just operate as if you had Baker's arm again because I can tell you what, out of practice, out of camp, Spencer's making the throws that Baker and Kyler made, and it's damn impressive. Does he have the speed of, of Kyler? Of course not. Nobody does. He doesn't quite have the elusiveness of Baker, but he's fairly elusive. I mean, he and he needs to get a little bit bigger, though, as well. But he needs to get bigger. The but he has already gotten a little bit bigger, though. The obviously. only thing Benny Wiley will do. People that. are the only thing people are like kind of hesitant about is his understanding of the game so far. But that's again, he's sitting out a year under Lincoln Riley. He'll be just fine. They're gonna go to. They're gonna beat Tennessee at home. They're gonna kill an SEC opponent. It's gonna be whatever. But yeah, the idea that Mike Gundy says, "Oh yeah, this is a triple option team." I mean, I don't see any lies because other than it being triple option, it's not a triple I mean, option. Jalen's carrying the ball twenty three times a game. He he lined up in a diamond formation against T. We had not not done that all year. First time. And I was damn near happy. And what pissed me off about that, too, at one point in the backfield, he had Joe Mixon, Samaji Pirine, and Dimitri Flowers, and Baker Mayfield, and you wait till now to break out a diamond? Are you kidding me? <laughs> it would have been pretty damn sweet oh at that point, Oh, my gosh. Too. Like, what in That would have been deadly. Holy hell. Like, what are you doing? It's just, oh. Or you could, you could substitute. You could have done so much there with those guys as receiving options. Yeah. I mean, all in the backfield and You, you could have substituted Samaji P. Ryan for Trey Sermon as another receiver. Yeah. I mean. Oh, my God. But, you know, Mike Gunny's wrong, but it doesn't mean that Oklahoma's not going to shove it down their defense's throat this Saturday. I think that's correct. What do you think about Heather Dennett, Jim Mora, and Vilma, <laughs> uh, Vilma talking about OU's defense? How much time you got, a, buddy? Still being a problem after watching the highlights. <sighs> I, I mean, you know, Jim Mora, obviously, he is somehow a worse broadcaster than he was a head coach. <laughs> Jonathan Vilma... We've gone over this. He has an axe to grind. He was on that 2000 Miami team that got curb stomped by Washington and, you know, barely beat Florida State, the one Oklahoma kind of dominated in the national championship game. Whatever. That's neither neither here nor there. But the amount of laziness that went into that conversation is appalling. I mean, holy hell. Okay. If you're not going to watch the games, whatever. There are a lot of games to watch. You only have so much time. Fine. At least read up on on these games. At least do that. Unbelievable. And if you can't do that, at least look at a box score. That's the bare minimum. Just look at a damn box score without context and just like try to wing it. They didn't even do that. Yeah. What the hell? They ran with the ESPN narrative. Big 12 has no defense. The Big 12's defenses are actually pretty damn good this yeah, year. Yeah, Lincoln Riley said that. And they are. I mean, I, I think I posted the other day. TCU, um, you know, they're in the 30s. Baylor, uh, number 12. Um, Iowa State in, like, 21 or something like that. And then Kansas State also in the 30s. and like, early 30s. Um, Oklahoma's defense 
somehow, after just brutally beating down TCU, only to 41 in defensive S&P this week, which I thought was surprising. I thought they'd go back in the 30s. But from 84th last year to 41, and you have a total dominant defensive performance, and that's the only and reason. See, the thing is, they're saying this, and they're saying, well, the defense is a liability, but you know, Jalen Hurts has been great, and that's the reason they won this game. It was the exact yeah. opposite in this game. Kenneth Murray quoted them and was like, did y'all just wake up and just start talking because you have no idea what's happening in this game. And this is not even a Christian McCaffrey situation at the Heisman where a guy pats him on the shoulder and says, sorry, bub, you're in the Pac-12. Nobody watched your games. This was prime time. This was the game. This was the game. At 7 o'clock, there's only two. There's only two games. And you said, oh, by the way, their defense is a liability. Jalen Hurts hasn't been that great. Or the defense's liability, Jalen Hurts is the one winning them games. And he's the one that put the defense in so many bad positions to win that game for them. Unreal to me. The defense bailed Jalen Hurts out right as we are talking about this. I get this tweet from Cale Baden, one of our followers. The college football studio people at ESPN, including Heather Dinich, he tagged her. <laughs> and uh, nice. might be the absolute last place I go for information on anything concerning what is or might be happening in college football. Some of the least informed and unprepared opinions you could possibly find. Nailed it. If Heather Nailed Dinich, it. Jamora Jr., and Jonathan Vilma all told me water was wet, I'd seek a second opinion. Holy shit, yeah. Unbelievable. Like, how? How? You're, you're supposed to be the worldwide leader in sports, but you can't watch the primetime game on Fox. Maybe you're just because it's ABC. That's not the reason. But they're just there's, lazy. <laughs> there's two. There's two 7 p.m. games. It just blew my mind. Let's talk about some recruiting, though. Let's do it. More good news. Two eyeballs. Two eyeballs, and maybe... And they're defensive. In de- defensive? All of the people who are on Twitter and oh, on yes. Facebook are like, how about some defensive commits? This is cool that we're getting the four- and five-star offensive players, but what about some defense? Defense is coming. It's gonna oh, be fine. Oh yes, it'll, down. it'll be it'll be great. Um, I'm neither gonna confirm, uh, but or deny a couple guys um, that you might enjoy. I'm just gonna say, hey, keep an eye on these guys. Um, maybe not this week. One of them, maybe this week. We're gonna talk about three guys, even though there are two eyeball emojis out there. Let's talk about first of all, Shane Witter, six foot. He's an inside linebacker. He's committed to Wake Forest. On the surface, that doesn't sound great, but he's he's promising. Yeah, he... So, here's the deal. Wake was his first offer. And he's had several offers since then. Uh Uh-huh. But he's remained consistent in his commitment to Wake Forest. He visits for the OUTCU game. That defense is wild. It looked good. His coach told him, you know, when OU's taking a look at you, you might want to listen a little bit closer than, you know, maybe North Carolina is offering you, Mac Brown's offering you, than you know, Wake Forest. The only reason why Shane Witter is a three-star kid is because he's six foot. If he's six foot two, six foot three, he's four-star. His film is great. Has a nose for the ball. Keep an eye on him. Second one. In something that fans should be very excited about. I'm very excited about talking about this person. His name is Justin Harrington. He is from, uh, he's, he's a Juco kid. Uh, the name escapes me right now. Um, from Oh, my goodness. It's from California. 
They oh Bakersfield College. That's what it is. And he's six foot three and long. Defensive back, safety, four-star guy, six foot three, about two hundred and fifteen pounds. Very lanky, very thick, very big. The number one JUCO safety, the number six overall JUCO player. This is your ideal Alex Grinch body type. Massive defensive back. Not slow a foot. He's not a burner, but he can he can he can giddy up. He is a perfect nickelback in Alex Grinch's scheme. 100%. A perfect nickelback in Alex Grinch's scheme. And uh that could be a very good day for Oklahoma should that should that happen should he uh commit to the University of Oklahoma. But I would keep an eye on Shane Witter and Justin Harrington. Two names I would definitely know. And a third name in the thankfulness of this week. I would definitely know out of SEC country, Reggie Grimes. Defensive lineman, six foot four. 242 pounds, four-star defensive end. The number one player in the state of Tennessee. Number one player in the state of Tennessee. Number 54 player nationally. He's a weak side defensive end. You might even convert him to Jack Backer. The guy's athletic as all get out. He's got violent hands. He has, he's got quick twitch um, fibers in his legs. The guy's impressive. And this could be a Thanksgiving Day surprise for the Sooners. Like I said, there's two eyeball emojis out there, but by the time this is all done and these names we're talking about, there could be three. And it's looking like a lot of smoke right now. Wherever there's smoke, there is fire. So just remember those names, important names, and all three of them, by the way, 2020 defensive prospects that all fit Alex Grinch's scheme. Be aggressive, be big, be violent. Asking you shall receive, OU fans. Very good stuff. And speaking of violent, do you see Tom Herman headbutting his players this past Saturday before getting their asses kicked by Baylor? How is he a Mensa member? I think it's made up. How, like, what do you think Mensa's PR people? I'm, sh- I'm sure they have PR people. They're seeing they things to. like this on the sideline. Do you think they're, like, preparing a release? They have to be preparing like, they're, they're, every um, time. They're getting on damage control duty, like, right when this is happening. I mean, six and five never felt so good. I mean, would you rather? No, yeah, I would rather see him bang his head on his player's helmet after or before going six and five than see him bang his head on a concrete wall after losing to Baylor. It's much more enjoyable because he's he's trying to psych his team up. He's like, yeah, we're going to take it to Baylor. It's Baylor, you know? <laughs> we're going to take it to Baylor, and we're going to win. And the rest of his team is like, what the hell? Like, what the hell is happening They're here? not, like, getting psyched they up while he's doing so this at all. And the guy he's headbutting is like, he's, like, doing a little try. He's like, yeah, we're going to I've got to say, as an Oklahoma fan, this is all very enjoyable. It's uncom- It was a little bit uncomfortable, but I was like, oh. He needs a 10-year extension for sure. Yeah. And what I thought was interesting was he got a concussion before the game. And usually Sam Ellinger gets a concussion first and plays. Pretty weird. Pretty weird situation when Tom Herman that game. Usually Sam Ellinger gets a concussion first and plays, not Tom Herman getting the concussion first and continuing his job. Pretty weird situation. Pretty weird. I think it's about time we talk about hot takes because 
Well, what? look, what, what were we going to talk about? We were going to talk about something that we did that we thought was good until moments oh, later. Oh, we could. Kind yeah. Of like oh, this. yeah. Tom Herman. Let's so, yeah, well, let's, let's talk about Because Tom Herman did smash his head into a helmet to get his team psyched up. Thought it was a good idea. Ended up getting their butts handed to them. And, yeah, yeah so something that we thought maybe was going to be a good thing until moments later turned out to be a bad thing. I'll go first. Go for it. When I was a kid, um, we had a basketball hoop. I had three older sisters. We didn't have a football, but my sisters were, they, they liked to play basketball in the backyard or whatever, you know, where we had the concrete and the, and, the, and the goal set up. And we had a basketball. It was a little flat. Nothing sucks more than trying to shoot hoops with a flat basketball. We don't have a pump. Don't even have a needle for the pump. So we said, I got a bright idea. I said, hey, you notice like in the summer, the basketball stays inflated a lot more because it's warm outside. Because, you know, when it's cold, (laughs) the ball easily gets deflated like tires. I said, guys, check this out. We're going to heat this basketball up (laughs) in the microwave. (laughs) And so and my sister's like, hey, this third grader has got the mind of a genius i was i was a a very young at the time the hell was wrong with your sisters they didn't know they they just knew it was sports ball they they weren't interested in finding or calling dad or paging dad because there were no cell phones back then dating myself um didn't want to bother dad to get a a pump so i said let's put this basketball in the freaking microwave so we did and it we got the ball out and there were no, no sparks flew off um, and it was a very hot basketball, of course, when we got it out, and it was a little more inflated, but it was lumpy. Lumps had developed and deformed the basketball that made it impossible to play, and also it inflated like just barely a little more, so we just ruined the basketball, and my dad got angry because he had to buy a new basketball. <laughs> so it was a good idea. It was rational to second grader, to second grade Kamiar. Didn't work out in the end. No, didn't work out. What about you? The year is 2011. Mm. It is game four of the Western Conference Finals between the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Dallas Mavericks. Oh, I remember this. Uh, Dallas is up 2-1 in the series entering this game. Thunder lead for most of the game, and then Dirk Nowitzki does the thing that he did throughout those playoffs and was the most clutch human being on the face of the earth and made all of us want to pull our hair out. Classic Dirk. And went up 3-1 in the series and effectively put it away. Anyway, I'm watching this game in Loud City, a buddy of mine, up in the uh, 300 section, Chesapeake Energy Arena. We had been drinking a combination. We'd been drinking whiskey, and we'd also been having Coupe DNR. You ever had Coupe DNR? I don't think so. You haven't. Okay. I don't well, think so. it, it's a it's a like a twelve percent ABV beer made by Coop here in Oklahoma City that is brewed in a bourbon barrel. So it's got sort of those chemical agents or whatever in it that sort of make you feisty and make your nose red and shit like that. Uh-huh. So anyway, we were imbibing in those things. So I was a little feisty, and after a. Uh, the game you know we're walking out into the concourse i'm red in the face i'm all mad i'm hot and bothered 
<laughs> and this like very stereotypical Dallas douchebag. He's wearing like an affliction shirt and uh, has like a what's it called a barbed wire tattoo or whatever. Oh hell yeah, tribal band. Oh god, tribal band. Just bitch. an I absolute bet his name was Chad. nonsense human. His being. name was Chad. No, not Chad. Probably like, uh, well, I was going to say Dirk. Well, that would have been kind of fitting, I guess. Yeah, but I like, guess uh, Dirk. Anyway, and he had like a really douchey Mavericks cap on. Oh, so no faux hawk. And he's running around the concourse yelling, calling us hicks and stuff like that. Obviously, we Oklahomans, sometimes we have a little bit of an inferiority complex and a little bit of insecurity yeah. when it comes to that kind of thing. Yeah. Anyway, I had been drinking whiskey and drinking Coop DNR, so this was like tenfold at this point. Oh, yes. My little man Oklahoma syndrome is out in full force for everyone to see. Anyway, he runs by me. I grab his hat off of his head oh, no. and throw it out back into the arena and off the deck. And oh yes, I turned back you are a around. Hero. hero. Well, for about two seconds before mm-hmm. I turned back around, he played the hero, and he crow hopped me, hit me right in the jaw, made my canine goo through my lip. Oh, I'm bleeding everywhere. I drop like, <laughs> you, like you see one of those UFC fights where someone just like collapses KO. after yeah. being hit right in the sweet spot in the chin. It was this, and I hit my head on the ground <laughs> and got a concussion. Damn. And I'm bleeding everywhere. And, like, uh, so yeah, that was the dumbest thing, I think. That something that seemed like a very clever thing to do at the time. And, uh, yeah, paid for it dearly. Yeah. I had to, uh, I didn't have to get stitches, but. It's a good story. It, no, well, it's embarrassing, actually. I mean, it's embarrassing, it's but very it's, a, embarrassing. it's a hell of a story. But, yeah. Is what it is. I was bleeding everywhere. I remember we were walking outside, my buddy and I. He, I, I get dropped, and he ends up fighting the guy. The one uh, silver lining of this whole thing, I don't think he got his hat back. Hell yeah. He didn't have his hat. So, hey, he, mission he, accomplished. He may have won the battle, but you, <laughs> sir, have won the war. That's the rationale we're using yes, here. That Holy is. hell, that was so fucking stupid. But, like, uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah, we're walking outside. Uh, I'm bleeding. I'm slurring my words uh, because I'm drunk and probably concussed. I suspect I was concussed. But um, anyway, we uh, walk up. I, it was my idea. I said, you know what? I see these police. I'm going to report a crime. <laughs> How about that? You continued your drunken stupor. I, I did. I go up to the cop. My buddy's like walking with me and I'm like, hey, this fucking asshole punched me in the face as I'm, you know, covered in blood and, you know, kind of uh, disoriented. And they, they just... Uh, <laughs> Stare me in the eyes and just don't say anything. My friend's like, we need to go. We, we, need, we need to stop talking. I'm to so police. sorry, officer. My friend, he's uh, he's had a little too much tonight. So anyway, um, if you feel so compelled to grab someone's hat and throw it, um, maybe turn around quicker. Yeah. So, yeah, there you go. That's a lesson that's a, learned. Love that. I feel like I know you better now. Yeah. Important, yeah. important stories. Important. Um, before we... Get Very embarrassing podcast for the Bedlam week. Like I said, hot takes were the state of today by Shayhan Jayaraja, and then Joe Bettner kind of got on board with the OU stuff. What is your hottest OU take? I think I've said this on here before. Um, actually, I have said this on here a few times. Uh, I said it to Eddie Radosovich when we were potting it with him back when uh, Matt Ravis had your job. Good old Ed. 
And uh, I, I think I presented this to uh, George Stoya as well. And that is that David Boren built those Gryffindor and Hufflepuff dorms mm-hmm. on Lindsay Street. He hates tailgaters. And he did it because he wanted to kill the tailgating on Lindsay Street. I, I'm... People keep enabling this opinion. I don't know if it's that hot of a take. I think it might be true. I don't think you're wrong. I don't think I'm wrong either. I don't think you're it wrong. It sounds like a reach, but I really don't think it's a reach. That man hated partying. Which is ironic, but we won't talk about <laughs> it. Yeah. But I think that's a... I, think, I, I don't think you're wrong. Hufflepuff dorms. Like and like that. I've also said on here, I don't feel as bad about bashing David Bourne anymore. Yeah, nope. Pretty bad guy, yep. turns out. Not that great. Statue's gone. Bye-bye. Um, mine, I got some flack for it on Twitter today. Yeah, you did. Because I actually voiced it. I've only ever really said it in like private settings or not in, like, in not conversation people. and not in front of everybody that the Twitter sphere is. I fully believe... And I will die on this hill, in which some people responded, that's an odd hill to die on. And I agree. I, I, I agree. It is an odd But one. in Oklahoma, our, our mountains, like the Arbuckles, are actually just, just hills. But... Poto Mountain is just a hill. Yeah. By a foot, but... If Lincoln Riley had time with Trevor Knight, just as much as he had time with Jalen Hurts, and you can say... In 2015, when Lincoln Riley had, you know, if, if Lincoln Riley had Jalen Hurts in 2015, or if Lincoln Riley had Trevor Knight in 2019, you can do both skill sets. Both teams were loaded off with offensive talent. They were. I believe fully in my heart, Lincoln Riley would have made Trevor Knight a much more effective player than Jalen Hurts is. Are you saying that he gets his hands on Trevor Knight as a freshman? Because he did have Trevor Knight for a year as a backup. I'm saying that we saw Trevor Knight in Josh Heupel's system. Mm-hmm. To, to, you know, round peg in a, or wait, wait, a round, square peg around hole. Yep. Didn't fit. He tried to run, uh, like a zone read offense without yeah. the read. They, which, uh, they yeah, spoiler there's, alert, there's no read. Didn't work. And but at the same time, they were transitioning Josh Heupel still transitioning, trying to somewhat run Landry Jones offense with Trevor Knight said, No, we'll go more zone read, but just not a read. It's kind of fake. You're just gonna hand the ball off, especially with the quarterback issues in two thousand fourteen, which is the season that shall remain um, blocked from my brain. It's the Voldemort season. Yep, and so, but you look at 2015, different coach, and Lincoln is great at this, tailoring offenses to the skill set of what that quarterback has, and I think he could have maximized Trevor Knight a little more than Jalen Hurts. You did see how good Trevor Knight was as a runner when he was at A&M and was allowed to run. He was one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC. That's not saying much, though. I don't think your take is that hot. I, I, I disagree with it just because of what Jalen Hurts right. brings to the table as a runner. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and Trevor see, Knight a lot of fragile. Trevor Knight's issues as a passer, a lot of them were fairly similar to what you see with Jalen Hurts. 
not necessarily confident throwing over the middle. But Trevor would go through his progressions. That's true. I, I, I think, yeah, like I said, this isn't that hot of a take, I don't think. I think you caught more shit than you deserve to catch on this. <laughs> and people are, like, people are just saying, well, yeah, if, uh, have you seen the second half of the TCU game? Like, if you're going to give me, like, that one sample, that's cool. I mean, I can give you the Sugar Bowl sample. But I'm just talking about, like... P- yeah, people act like that Sugar Bowl thing was a mirage. I mean, he was displaying some talent in that game. But I mean, he was he was legitimately impressive. That wasn't necessarily a fluke. That was his highest upside on display. People, ju- we can't compare it because Jalen Hurts. We've seen what he looks like in a Lincoln Riley offense, and he looks ex- he looks exceptional. He looks exceptional under an offensive coordinator slash head coach that will place him in put in in situations to be successful. And Lincoln Riley is a master of that. Simply put. Trevor Knight never got that. He never got the benefit of the doubt of that. He was the dude laid on the field in Norman with transient quadriplegia. Dude couldn't move his body because he got bodied by Sean Oakman. And we never got to see him use his skill set to the max and have the offense tailored to that. Can you imagine having, you know, a Smosh AP Ryan with him, with the Sterling Shepard, with the Mark Andrews, and with... With a Lincoln Riley saying, you know what, we know what you can do best, and we're going to run this a lot. Instead of Josh Heupel saying, all right, guys, here's the Meerkat offense. Look over here to the sideline to see what you want to do next. We've seen what Jalen Hurts looks like. I'm getting mad just looking back at it, but whatever. (laughs) We've seen what Jalen Hurts looks like in Lincoln Riley's offense, and when he's effective, he's effective. What would Jalen Hurts look like in a Josh Heupel offense? Not good. No, not I at mean all. the read option would be a lot better because he actually read. there. Are, there, we talked about this before. There are a lot of offenses where Jalen Hurts wouldn't necessarily look very good, but he. But Lincoln puts him in so many is, positions. Exactly. So I, it's I just, working, but. And Trevor Knight was better at going through his progressions, and that's not what I'm basing my entire argument on. I'm just saying, and and honestly, Jalen Hurts' body is a lot more durable than Trevor Knight. He's always getting hurt with the shoulders. But I am saying that I think Trevor Knight with Lincoln Riley could have been, I'm not saying by leaps and bounds better than Jalen Hurts, but I'm saying he could have been a little more productive. I think you've stated a compelling case here. You did not deserve to be ratioed on Twitter. I don't think... I don't necessarily agree with you, but you did not deserve the ratio. And my, my goal here is not to be like, oh, I'm so controversial. It's to be reasonable. And I think it's a reasonable take. Some people, not so much. And that's okay. It's just my opinion. Everybody has one. Do you have anything else? We're going on a little long, man. We are. Good God. Yeah, it's oh, it's like 10.15. 10.15? We started this thing at like 8. 8.15, actually. Yeah, because I was on the you know High traffic jam on I-35. That was a mess. But got anything else for the pod for Bedlam Week? It's, I mean... I don't have much else to say, I don't think. I'm going to be up there. It's going to be nice. It's exciting. It's going to be good during the day, like 65 during tailgating. Yeah. So are OSU pumped, fans, how are the OSU fans in the in the stadium? I haven't it's, been. Oh, it's bad. It's it's really okay. bad during Bedlam. I okay. mean, have you been to Bedlam before? I'm not in, in Stillwater. Stillwater. Uh, it's yeah, Stillwater. It, it's it's a, it's a thing. I mean, it, it's definitely a hostile situation, but uh, yeah, just is what it is. You just You just have to have thick skin. I see. 
just have to be an adult. Well, I guess that about wraps us up, yeah? So, why don't you guys go ahead and follow us at CrimsonCreamMachine.com. Lots of stuff dropping every day. Lots of good articles. Lots of great articles, actually, by several of the writers here. And, you know, they just produce great content. Um, we didn't and, talk about Thanksgiving really that much, did we? We didn't. What's your favorite Thanksgiving side? Ooh. You know what? Stuffing. Yeah, me too. But underrated. Deviled eggs. Oh, very nice. Underrated. I'm a big devil egg guy. Mm-hmm. Are you a turkey or ham guy? Well, I like them both. I, I, I will say this. I strongly prefer dark meat turkey over white meat turkey. Just because it's I'll agree with that. juicier. But uh, ham? Um, yeah, I'd go ham over turkey. i go ham over but, turkey. But I usually have both at Thanksgiving, so yeah, I get a little course, bit of both. Of course, of so. course. So, yeah. I really do love uh, Pillsbury Crescent Rolls, though. So Those that's a great. good thing. Or... Hawaiian roll. Usually, uh, you you ever been to Ingrid's in Oklahoma City, the I German haven't. place? They I have haven't. some of the best rolls on earth. We usually get those for Thanksgiving with my family, so uh, that's always something to look forward to. Highly recommend Ingrid's. I this, get the this King's is not Hawaiian sponsored, rolls. but Super oh sweet. god, yeah, oh, so good. those are good. But yeah, Thanksgiving this week, man. Excited. I'm pumped, man. Which uh, game are you looking forward to the most on Thanksgiving Day? I don't even know. I'm just gonna turn on the TV, man. Let it all soak it all in. So nothing better to do. True. That's Truly. the best thing you can do. Truly. But yeah, just follow the website. Bunch of great people running the site. Bunch of people on the site. Uh, follow Jack at CC Machine. Shout out to the basketball team for winning yeah, tonight, by tonight. the way. Yeah, tonight. They took care of business in Kansas looked City. Looked horrible last night, but yeah. looked pretty good tonight against Mizzou in Kansas City. They did. So. They took that dub tonight. I hate Mizzou basketball fans, so that was really nice. That's right. Back so. in the day at Kemper Arena, the mm-hmm. shit they used to say to people, oh mm-hmm. my God. Glad that was a club. hostile environment. Mm-hmm. But Man, Quinn Snyder. now their uh, program is irrelevant, so hate yeah. to see it. Quinn Snyder's out. Uh, follow at CC Machine. Jack's usually on it, but it kind of floats around. It's me about 95% yeah. of the time. Unless it's live tweeting a game, it's me. Yeah. And the, or just follow Jack if you want other things as well, at Shields. You know, follow me. I'm at KMarabi and TCM. Um, guys, it's Thanksgiving. We're so thankful for all you guys that, you know, spend time listening to the podcast every week we break over a thousand downloads and i can't appreciate that enough we are so thankful for that we really appreciate you know all the all the times you guys listen through our podcasts but there's only 64 ratings i'd be even more thankful give us 100 i'd be even more thankful if you guys could give us to 100 yeah if you if there's over a thousand of you guys or you know give us uh how many do we have right now 64 64 give us five more yeah just give us five more that's all we need yeah but again, It'd be really nice of you. It's been like for for me. I mean, it's been really exciting to talk football with you guys through this entire year, and it's gonna get more exciting with the weeks coming up with the Big Twelve title game and the bowl game, and then it doesn't stop there because we get recruiting and everything else. Just so thankful. You can find us on any podcast app you have. If you're on iTunes, it's that simple. Press the five star, and you're done. Submitted. But until next time, we'll check you guys later. <laughs>